Are you looking to become a tier one operator in the gaming world? Elevate your games with Black Sight Studio Terrain. This is G, and we are back for another big, exciting episode of the SITREP Podcast. Your home for everything related to military wargaming. Uh, from a historical standpoint, as I was reminded just previously, right, Gaz? Yep, I'm here to keep you straight. All right, I appreciate that. You know, freaking bloody English people always got to make us look stupid over here in the U.S. of A., but, you know, hey, whatever. Um, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, to with us today is the command team. So here in the United States studio is myself and Marty. Good morning, all. And over down in sunny Florida is Big Jim Riskini. That's what they say. <laughs> and over in England, we have Gaz, who, uh, are you quarantined yet, Gaz? I'm separated. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And then there is Ralph. Hey, Ralph, what's going on over there? <laughs> Well, you mean apart from England looking like the beginning of 28 days later? I don't know. <laughs> I, I was thinking more of uh, Shaun of the Dead myself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Unless you've, watched that, unless you've watched that YouTube video where he says, don't go to the Winchester. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I, I saw that they made something. So, you know, obviously everybody uh, probably has on their mind the uh, coronavirus uh, issue that's around the world now and affecting just about everybody. Um, you know, it's pretty much shut down countries. Yeah. You know, even about the it. U.S. of A. here in uh, Illinois, our uh, governor put us into shelter in place. But, you know, it doesn't really, it's a suggestion, would you say? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they have a, a broad list of what are essential uh, uh, occupations and, and such. Fortunately, I'm not in one, so I'll be at the house, uh, you know, working from home, uh, if you can't see my air quotes. It might look a lot like me painting because, well, my work at home station is actually my paint station. Yeah, and then there's me who has to go in every day and work uh, 16 to 19 hours a day. So, yeah, it is what it is. Somebody's got to carry the load for the rest right? of us. Somebody's got to be on the front lines fighting it. All right, so let's shift gears and get away from the realities of the world and let's talk about some fun stuff, right? That's why we're all here, to uh, talk about our hobby and gaming and, you know, chill and grab your favorite 
beverage, you know, life or juice or tea for you civilized people, um, you know, or a whiskey or whatever it may be. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I thought we'd start off and see what everybody's up to over these times. Uh, I've had zero time for hobby over the last couple of weeks. Uh, like I said, I've been working almost six days a week, uh, 16 to 19 hours a day. So I've had zero time and I appreciate everybody who's picked up the slack on, uh, brewing views. Uh, much appreciated. Um, Gaz, you're turning out some tremendous minis, and it's really making me look bad, I have to say. I am so jealous. That so. dude with the tracksuit is awesome. Yeah, the, the Adidas suit looks really good. So. I, I tried to pull that off with my guy, and uh, if you recall, there are no stripes on my dude because I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> so why don't we start with you, Gaz? What have you been up to hobby-wise or gaming? Um... Well, they added his truck suits to everyone, you know. <laughs> um, that's the main sort of historical I've done. I've prepped two models. I say historical. They're, they're kind of the caricatures from the Viking series. So I've got Ragnar Lothbrok, who was a real person, and Lagatha as well. So those two are prepped. Um, they're primed. Uh, and I'm just going to finish off the last of the... Um, the 13 hours equals 13 days members, which is my leader, who I want to put some time into as well. And then uh, those will be my next two. So, yeah, this week is pretty much just that sort of period. I've cleaned them to up, got them built, and just been ticking along with the painting. Um, so, yeah, not not a huge amount, but just, just getting ready. Although now that I'm off, I can see myself doing a lot more, let's be honest. <laughs> Excellent. So do we have touring we need to send and get done? <laughs> can we send him so what projects can we have him do while he's got free time? Well, we we do need to get the rest of our uh, rest of our bad guys. Don't yeah, we? Uh, you know what? Don't worry, Gaz. I'm going to send you another shipment of bad guys. So, well, I can pick some up this end if needs be. Okay. Well, uh, however we can get them quicker would probably be best. You, you know, you're closer to Spectre than we are, so yeah. So yeah. it might be yeah. uh, prudent just to have them sent directly to you. So cool. We'll do that, Ralph. How about you? <laughs> Uh, not a zero as well because we've been getting into work and then prepping everything starting to ship stuff into drives and stuff so I can work from home from Monday so I'm going to be working from home from Monday but I'm going to have to work from home there's none of this sitting around painting minis you know <laughs> so I've actually got to do some work from home so um, that's been me so I've done very little gotcha. unfortunately as much as I would like to but just it takes its toll on traveling an hour every day to get to work and then basically be told, yeah, you've got to come into work. And because I travel on public transport and my wife is under is under one of the um, at-risk categories without having a medical condition, uh-huh. um, I still have to travel to work because it's you if you're in an at-risk category, not your relatives. Gotcha. So it's been fun, but as of Monday, working from home and... We think within the university, because I work at a uh, university, maybe September. Wow. <laughs> Could be. Aha. Uh-huh. Jeez. Nobody, nobody knows. Really, the, the universities and the education institutions have no idea. So they've cancelled all the schools in the UK. Mm-hmm. There's, no, no school, there's no schools anymore. It looks like that exams might be put off. Or if they're in a final year... And they've got a high enough pass rate throughout that full year. 
that they'll just go straight out. Yeah, well, that makes the most sense for seniors or you know, final year. Instead, instead of cancelling the um, you know, instead of just having them come in, come in in September to sit an exam, which will then has a knock-on effect to the first, the new first year is coming in. Yeah. So nobody knows what's going on. Really, no idea within education what's what's happening. So yeah, it's been fun. Oh yeah, it's been fun. All right, Jim, it's it's in your court. Wallace. Um, yeah, I've had quite a bit of, uh, again, uh, kind of like Ralph was saying, um, work from home when you work for a tech company is not sit around and pay miniatures. Um, I'm actually working right now. i have log off in another 20 minutes. Um, so if you hear some keyboards in the background, I do, I do apologize. Um, but you do what you have to to make it work. Uh, we have no idea what's going on over here. Hobby-wise, there's been a lot going on. Um, I'm happy to say, although I did miss last podcast, so I've got like a month's worth of reporting. All right, go for it. It's all yours. We've just done, you know, Iwo Jima's 75th anniversary. We've done a Op Center podcast for that, and we've also done an actual demo game for that in Valor and Victory. We've finished up our Air War C-21 Yankee Squadron series. We've, uh, we're working on a game later today for Valor and Victory, Dien Ben Fu, with my friend Piotr over there in Poland. Uh, HK Ops Syria Part 3 is closing out tomorrow. That actually will be broadcast um, tomorrow, I think at 1 p.m. Eastern, so I think that's still 5 p.m. Uh, GMT for the moment. And uh, we're still kicking around the idea of Sons of Liberty, although there hasn't been a whole lot of interest in that, so that project might get dropped. Um, I'm also trying to come up with a new name for that because I don't really like Sons of Liberty for a couple of reasons. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot going on, so trying to stay busy. Excellent. So um, the Sons of Liberty is based on the War of Independence? Is yeah, the American Revolution, it's command tactical scale, roughly reinforced company level. Uh, so you can put a battle like Ariskany on the table with like maybe seven to eight pieces per side. That's a super small version. If you wanted to get crazy, you could do something like Long Island or Monmouth with a couple hundred pieces on the table. Um, but we've been playtesting with some hypothetical games and a uh, uh, sort of a alternate history uh, third year of upstate New York campaign in 1778, which, of course, didn't really happen. We've done some other smaller stuff like Hubbardton, which was historical, and uh, Trenton we've done three times hmm. uh, historical, and that's uh, yielding some, some strange results. So uh, the game works. Um, it's not quite as fast as I'd like, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying we're, – we're, 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 Every time I start to put a video together for it, I trip over the name. Um, Sons of Liberty has been used uh, a lot. It's been overused. Yeah. There's even a, a dumbass video, post-apocalyptic video game called Sons of Liberty, which is <laughs> just stupid. Um, Sons of Liberty has been used a couple times as a um, as a as a actual re- American Revolution war game. It's also very partisan. It's very uh, it's very biased. Also, Sons of Liberty was never a military unit. That's the borderline terrorist organization in, in, in Boston back in the day. So we're trying to come up with a couple names. Once we come up with a couple names, I hope to put out maybe a short, like five minute intro video for it. Maybe that'll drum up some interest. But again, every time I, I start to write the script for it, I, I trip over the name. Um, there's a lot of cool names on them, but there's been a lot of those names have been taken. You know, there's rebels and redcoats, there's patriots and loyalists. There's a lot of other things like that out there. So we got to come up with a name for it. 
because Sons of Liberty has always been kind of a working title. Uh, I need a real title. And then uh, from there, we can uh, continue, you know, either rolling it out or just play testing it or just going ahead and dropping the project. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm very interested in seeing what comes of it. I mean, I imagine we could get a person or two that be interested in playing it. So Maybe, maybe. You know? Yeah. So I, I hate to see it fade away because it's, it's one of those uh, – conflicts that obviously interests us over here and it'd be really cool to get a brit to play the brits and an american to play the rebels and you know see how we could if we repeat history or not so you know maybe a lot of terrorists in that fight oh yeah just to be clear terrorists yeah and and you know it's running through ralph's mind right now is die rebel scum <laughs> i've got i've got a set of drums in the background <laughs> flags have gone up and uh, yeah well i'm thinking you know jim what do you think of a little friendly competition you know we get uh one of the team from overseas over in england to play against somebody over here and um the winner you know, gets to glow it a little bit, obviously. But the loser on the next podcast, after that game is concluded, would have to, you know, it'd either be, you know, long live the queen or, you know, the empire or whatever. Or, you know, you have to be an American for the day or, you know, whatever. So, Well, the thing with any American Revolution War game is, um, okay, there's a couple of things. Number one, why the American Revolution is not a bigger thing in, in miniature gaming it, quite frankly escapes me uh, yeah. I have a couple ideas I mean the American Civil War is so damn boring uh, to paint um, <laughs> I mean it's, there's some great battles in there but um, it's boring to paint number one and the battles are huge yeah they're, they're very large, so they're difficult to do on a miniatures table I mean there are some miniature games out there that I won't mention they're very very bad uh, as far as you know, um, trying to encompass the scale of what those battles were actually like, I honestly think those battles would fit better, or I should say, those game systems that would fit better in an American Revolution setting, because the American Revolution is like ten percent the size. The largest battle in the American Revolution, depending on who you read, is either Monmouth or Long Island. There's like total twenty thousand people involved. Waterloo was a quarter of a million. So it was literally like 10 times the size. And mm -hmm. Gettysburg was like 160, 170,000. Um, so, uh, you know, number one. Number two, it's a lot more interesting to paint. Number three, there's more factions involved. I mean, I understand why it might not be big in the UK, because people like to do uh, Napoleonics instead. But given the amount of uh, – because let's face it. When people talk about Napoleonics lately, they're talking about something in the peninsula. They're talking about something like Sharp's Practice. I could count on one hand the number of people who set up a battle like Leipzig or, or Leipzig, however you pronounce it, Waterloo, Austerlitz, Borodino, one of the big um, Napoleonic battles, and done it right. Yeah. What people are doing is, oh, I've seen Sharp's Rifles. I think that's really cool. So I'm going to have this tiny little skirmish battle. And, you know, that's the American Revolution. Sharp's Rifles, Sharp's Practice, the entire Peninsula campaign is the American Revolution, the sequel. As far as the size of the battles, the, t the type of skirmish battles, the underdeveloped uh, roads, infrastructures, bridges, cities that were in Spain at the time, it's, it's you know, the, the American Revolution is the French and Indian War, the sequel, and the, the Peninsula Campaign in Napoleonics is the American Revolution, the sequel. Um, so, 
I mean, as, as popular as Napoleonics is, especially in the UK, and given the type or the theater or whatever you want to call it, the subgenre of Napoleonics that's really popular. Um, okay, I understand why it might not be popular in the UK, but why, when Americans go to Black Powder, they always go to the Civil War? Um, is uh, is a little surprising, but I don't know. One reason, and this goes to your point, you were talking about a, a competition between the UK and the US. Mm-hmm. This might be the reason, is the Americans lose nine out of ten of those battles. I mean, it's great to sit here and say, "Don't tread on me," and you know, wave you know, thirteen stars, thirteen stripes around it. But if you're a historian and you're talking about war gaming, you're talking about doing it right and you're an American, you better have a thick skin when you walk into the American Revolution because we lose almost all those battles. Um, it's a miracle we won that war at all, and we only won because we had some very powerful friends. Yeah. Um, so you really have to you know, make peace with your um, – well, number one, your your nationalistic pride, your your patriotism. You have to kind of set that at the door, and number two, you have to really get cozy with your uh, asymmetrical victory conditions. You know, um, can they win? Can you know? Can they delay the British? Can they just continue to exist? I mean, Nathaniel Green's whole campaign in uh, North and South Carolina is, well, we lost again, but we continue to exist, so let's chalk it up as a win. I mean, you're basically the Viet Cong. Uh, in, in some ways, mm-hmm. especially in, in some of the other, you know, theaters way out west, out by you, um, Jenna, you know, Fort Kaskaskia, um, you know, places like that, um, Vincennes, uh, up north, Oriskany, Hubbardton, Saratoga, and especially down in the south, you got battles like Kings Mountain, you got uh, Calpins, you got Camden Courthouse, Guilford Courthouse. It, it gets nasty uh, where it's... A guerrilla war half the time, half the time it's not even a full-pitched battle, half the time it's American versus American, especially in the South. So you have to sort of, you know, it, 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 it's not the usual red versus blue kind of thing. So we could have a battle, you know, if you wanted to, or a game, um, if we ever get this, you know, finished through development. But the American player is going to have to realize that, you know, you're definitely playing the underdog, and your your mission is going to be: Did you slow them down? Did you bleed them a little? And you know, did you still were you still standing at the end? I was gonna say, if victory conditions are, uh, you know, are, are you still alive? I'm in. Challenge accepted. You know, because uh, <laughs> well, it's gonna be harder than you think. It's gonna be harder than you think. Because I mean, look at uh, you know, look, let's do Kip's Bay. Where you know the second the, the first Royal Marine stepped out of the longboat coming over from Brooklyn, and the entire Connecticut militia line dropped their weapons and ran away. <laughs> they ran right by Washington, near where Forty Second Street is today, and that was it. That was the battle. Um, when the first fire, because the morale rules are, are pretty you know realistic or whatever, and when, when the first volley fires and half your army runs away, you know welcome to the American Revolution. Yeah. You know, this whole idea that the Minuteman was, you know, like some simple farmer that was going to, you know, oh, look, I'm going to throw down my pitchfork and pick up my daddy's shotgun and defeat the most powerful and well-trained European army on Earth. Um, it didn't go like that. So, yeah, if we do have a game, it's going to be tough. But then again, sometimes it's the other way. We One of the battles that we've been failing uh, as far as uh, playtesting go is Trenton. Uh, Trenton, of course, very, you know, the famous, you know, Christmas 1776 battle or whatever where uh, Washington surprised uh, 900 Hessians. His casualties in that battle were effectively zero. Mm -hmm. 
he had, I think, two or three died of exposure walking towards the battlefield, but really nobody was significantly killed or wounded. What this works out, and uh, Sons of Liberty at the, at the moment, is a game of like 80 men per company or whatever, 50 to 80 men per piece. So what this works out to in game terms is you're not allowed to lose a single piece. Oh. Not one. Ouch. Well, it's again, it's victory conditions. It's yeah. historical victory conditions. And, you know, if you did worse than the real person did, you lose. If you do better, then you win. The, the historical result is the draw line in the victory conditions, you know. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of what uh, G was up against when she was playing the Harriers and the Falklands, you know. Um, how many Harriers were you allowed to lose in that game, G? You were allowed to lose zero right. because the British lost zero uh, um, uh, Harriers in the Falklands War. So the game has to be able to reflect that. Yeah. So you went up with some really one-sided victory conditions. Um and again, that's part of what makes the American Revolution interesting, but it is also part of what makes it uh, very challenging to do, especially sure. from a game designer perspective. I think it's still a good um, area to explore. And I mean, why not put it on the game table and see what happens, right? And it turns out uh, I, I lose like a champ, so I, apparently I'm the perfect person to play this. There you go. <laughs> so we could get like Gaz or Ralph to play, and one of the conditions is if they lose they have to drink iced sweet tea <laughs> where the hell do I get that from <laughs> we'll send it <laughs> uh, you brew it <laughs> no they're got, no you, we can't let them brew it they'll mess it up now, uh, what, once I've got a caveat to that my wife is American so mm. oh well there you go she might know she's, is she from the south no, exactly. she's from Ohio no she's from Ohio yeah well, she can figure it out. <laughs> hey, a, a, a third, like John Adams wrote, John Adams wrote, look, this war is going to start, and it's going to divide the, comp the, the country into thirds. There's going to be a third that is rebel patriots. There's going to be a third that are hardcore loyalists to the crown. Uh -huh. And there's going to be a third that just don't give a damn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I get the Battle of Oriskany. Hello, Oriskany. Right. Um, Hello. One of the bloodiest battles in the American uh, in all of American history measured per capita. There wasn't a British... There wasn't a single Brit there. That was all Americans versus Americans and Iroquois uh, Native Americans. There, hmm. there was no British there. So, um, yeah, there were plenty of Americans loyal to the crown. So, right. there you go. Sounds good. Marty, you're up. Well, um, so, uh, you know, d due to, uh, you know, current health conditions, uh, I have uh, been directed to uh, begin work at home. Uh, actually, I started uh, last Thursday. And uh, I actually have some work that I can do at home, so it's uh, quite disappointing because I actually have to clear my paint table to set up my laptop and whatnot to have a space to, to work. Uh, the good news is I think I'll probably uh, finish everything I have, I don't know, middle to end of next week, and then uh, all training, uh, I do law enforcement training, uh, all, all our training has uh, been canceled through the middle of next month and may go beyond that. So there won't be any new classes going in. There won't be any old classes left to process. So uh, after that, uh, I may have a, a, a fair amount of free time and I can take the laptop off my paint station and put my paints back on there. Now, the, that being said, you know, I, I still don't work 24-7. So uh, last night... Uh, uh, I finished painting Hermione from my uh, uh, Harry Potter's miniature game. So I've got uh, 
uh, Harry, uh, Ron, and Hermione painted, and uh, just need to do the Death Eaters from the uh, from the starter set, and we'll be ready to play painted there. Uh, I finished all my Crisis Protocol dudes. Pretty happy uh, there. So the uh, the start it's just the starter box. I don't have anything else. If somebody wants to donate to the Marty Schaefer Crisis Protocol, buy all the characters fun. Please feel free to do so because I love all those minis. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've been uh, been working on that, and then I figure if worse comes to worse, uh, I just uh, I just received the Specter Ops uh, starter set with the new rule book. Very excited. We're gonna Amazing. we're gonna do a uh, an unboxing of that uh, later today, and then uh, you know if I still have time, I do have. Uh, uh, my ice and fire, a song of ice and fire set that uh, I have not started to paint, and well, that's like 110 dudes, so <laughs> that, that should keep me busy for the foreseeable future. Cool. Well, I was eyeing, I was eyeing up the um, from Crisis Protocol. I was eyeing up the Guardians. Oh yeah, as as Seth, because I've got Rogue Stars, you know, the Osprey again. Oh yeah. Perfect for rogue, rogue stars. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I just I I think they did such a good job on on all those minis. I mean, you know, mm. say say what I, I regret. I regret not buying the Night Models Hulkbuster though. When Night Models owned uh, Marvel as well, because it was Night Models originally had DC and Marvel. Yeah, and they got Harry Potter, so they dropped one, didn't they? Hmm, I wonder which one they dropped, and I wonder why. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, it's some nice, there's some nice minis in that crisis protocol, really are. Just sculpts look incredible. Yeah, the, I mean, every everything I've seen from them has been uh, uh, a high quality uh, miniature and just, I'm very impressed with them and uh, I, I'm a huge Marvel fan, so, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, getting to play that here soon. My uh, my daughter and her boyfriend uh, are pretty hyped up about uh, playing it as well. So I've got some folks nearby that I can play with. There you go. Cool. So awesome. Um, all right, let's talk about some news, shall we? Ralph, what do you got for us for news? Anything? Um, it's Spectre related, actually. Really? Speaking of Spectre and your, your, and your unboxing a little bit later, Marty, you're going yes. to like that. Um, there was three, should we say three things that they announced or dropped this past week? They've redone the starter set. Yeah, what's up with that? I just got the other one. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming in April, it's, it's up for pre-order. It's the same cost. They've changed the op for for the in the set now so I think in the one that Marty's got you're getting some FSB Spetsnets yes the new one's using the kill team you know the uh, the, the Middle Eastern kill team they did the insurgent kill team yeah the six minis it's that starter set now against some dev group just they ordered it right group. now yep <laughs> and our buddy Chris uh, ordered it um, yesterday <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's it's you're getting the 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 kill team, which is a nice set of minis. I do recommend that that set if you can get them by themselves. Uh, the dev the dev crew, of course, and the rule book uh, for the same price. So I think with what's been going on in the world, uh, some of the gaming companies now are starting to look at you know let's let's get things out there for people to play while they're off. Yeah. Um. Last week, 
they put up two minis. Yeah, they put up two. They put up a mini and a set. So you've got the yeah. the first thing they put up was the aftermath kill team. Very apt for the moment. So it's a bunch of guys in basically NBC suits with the masks carrying modified AKs and stuff. Um, perfect for your um, shall we say it could be used for bank robbers. That's what I thought when I first saw it. Or you could use them as a hazmat unit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. They also, uh, Stevens redone, and there's a new version of Baba Yaga coming out. Uh huh. And? So there's a new version of, um, of Mr. Wick. Yep. And they also launched the Adepticon Mini. And I just ordered so, both of them. <laughs> uh, I've got, I've just, I've got the Adepticon Mini, and I've got the Aftermath team, and I've got Baba Yaga coming. Um, but yes, the, 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 I think with the, the Adepticon Mini would have probably also been the Salute Mini as well. Yeah, but like probably. I did it last year. Yeah. Um, and with those two shows being cancelled, um, unfortunately, they, they decided to launch that Mini, which is great. Yeah. Um, that Adepticon Mini looks really nice, actually. It does. Full pump. It really does. Peak, uh, PK, uh, PKM. So... No, it looks more really good. Firepower for your, for your thingy, so, yeah. Yeah. So that was what Spectre announced. And then there was some other stuff as well. PS posted up some pics. Oh, I haven't seen North any. Pack. What has he posted recently? Um, I'll bring it up because uh, Gaz sent us the link. Yeah, it's uh, Plastic Soldier Company stuff, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Uh, um, which he posted up on Facebook on his... Um, on on there so he posted up some shots of the the kit uh-huh of a sprue and the sprue he posted up was of a scorpion and a scimitar okay uh, um which are also on the plastic social company facebook page and you've got a scorpion next to one of the challengers it is a challenger isn't it I um, think so. i'm not going to so <laughs> so the the ps posted those up this past week, so I think they're getting close to probably doing the launch because that was supposed to come out as salute as well. So nice. I think that'll be that'll be pushed out, and then of course, um, Gringo Forty. Yeah, yes. stuff out as well. Jim, have you seen the new Gringo Forty? It's the uh, firefight at the U.S. Embassy. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen the miniatures. Yeah, Saigon, 1968. So I'm assuming during Tet. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, 30, uh, 30 January, uh, 1968. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be mostly MPs, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, that's what they show. It says uh, MP dragging wounded yeah. buddy out of line of fire, MP advancing. Um, that, that's that who did most exact, of the fighting at the embassy. Yeah. That exact photograph was in our uh, part uh, five of our offensive series. Yeah. That photo that I yeah. think you're talking so you, about. You've got, yeah, you've got two of the guys carrying um, Beretta M12 as well, which is you don't normally see. Yeah. And did you see the U.S. Army mini they've done as well with the K9 unit? No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, there's a U.S. Army Vietnam Army dog handler with German Shepherd. Really? Okay, let's take a look. I gotta find. Uh, it's on the it's on the Green Gringo Forty. Yeah, I'm on their site right now, so I'm just I'm looking. Yeah. Vietnam. Here we go. Okay, U.S. Army. Oh yeah, Army dog handler, German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you know, I, I like 
I like the Gringo 40 stuff, but I do like from, I like the Empress stuff as well. Yeah, everybody's got some really nice stuff going on right now. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of options that you can come up with. Yeah. Um, I'm also over on the Black Sight Studio page looking at new products there, and they've got some uh, really good stuff. Speaking of which, we need to reach out to them. We need our wall so we can start building our cable. Because yes. I am anxious to get, you know, Jim's game going because... Um, <laughs> You know, so we can get that up and running. Well, we've got the embassy compound here. Yeah, we'll so we start working on that. Start on that. But uh, Black Side Studios got some really good stuff out right now. Is it worth reaching out to them as well, Jay, and getting them on? Uh, yeah, I will. You know, now that Adopticon's been canceled and stuff, so, yeah. and I'm assuming Little Wars is going to be canceled. Uh, which is at the end of next month. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that one's going to go. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll have to see, but it's probably going to because we were going to actually do stuff there. Um, and UK Games Expo has been moved to August now. So, I, so like the 21st. So, if the virus is, is still as rampant as it is, we don't know. I can possibly see that maybe not going ahead. But that would just, you know, that's just me speculating. In, uh, I don't think we'll in be East. in the throes of the virus by August. It's going to run rampant uh, for the next yeah. few weeks. And then it's, you know, either you're going to have it or you're not. Yeah. So um, from what I've seen in the news, China's already uh, got light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I also played Dark Star with a guy in Shanghai. And they're about mm-hmm. to start opening windows over there. Yeah. Um, so their, their length of time through this was something like three months. Yeah. I don't want to misreport anything, but, um, December 8th was the first case. In, yeah. First the first case. And then case. it became like an actual, uh, whatever you want to call it, like pandemic so they, or whatever. Yeah. Um, they and it was early as mid November. They just didn't announce it till the 8th of December. So yeah, nobody was looking at any, uh, like the healthcare system over there is very different. Their government works if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, um, very different over there. Um, so they're most, again, um, just to try to be optimistic about this, I think most people are taking their timeline and dividing it in half, and they're saying that's what we can expect in some countries here. Some of the countries in Europe, like Italy, is in pretty bad shape right now. Yeah. Um, but um, I get here in the U.S., hopefully in the U.K., we're looking at, I don't know, nobody knows, so I guess I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't say anything. But um, yeah, um, well, yeah. Let's hope that by August, this this nonsense has has blown over at least for a while. Goddamn, how long can you stop the world? Exactly, exactly. Well, I have I usually to ask see. Yes, stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to see. So yeah, Gringo Forties keeps producing some really mm-hmm. great Vietnam miniatures. Empress is cranking out some stuff. I think even Eureka had some stuff come out recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of options right now. Um, there is. Just, there, seem, there seems to be an, an influx of different time periods uh-huh. to play in now, uh, more than what we used to have. So, you know, you've, we've got, if you think this way, we're going to have Plastic Soldier Company doing Third World War, Team Yankee. We've got Team Yankee as well, of course, from Battle Group. Um, we've got Spectre and Empress doing near, um, current conflict, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got White Dragon spanning early 2000s to current with their uh, Courage and Conflict series set. Um, 
And then you've got Empress and Gringo doing Vietnam. You've got everybody doing World War Two, and then keep going back and back and back. You know, it's just, it's it's there's a plethora of different genres for people to drop into. I think. Oh now, yeah. And and think, what is it we want to do? You know. Yep. Well, heck, I still have uh, the Rorks Drift set. You know that we can do sometime down the road, and I have the Alamo set that's going to be coming. So, I mean, I've got a lot of projects that'll happen yeah. down the road. But you know, first, obviously, everybody, we have to finish our 13 days, 13 hours. Um, everybody's been putting in a lot of great work on that, and I am very excited to see this ha- start happening. At you know, from planning to uh, you know production to actual reality. I know, Jim, you got your game ready to go. And uh, uh, I have to draw the map for it and do some playtests. Okay. So, I mean, so I'm close. Yeah. And then uh, Gaz has been producing some awesome bad guys. I can't wait to waste them all. Um, <laughs> you know, so we'll give them a taste of freedom. So, Does anyone notice a certain trend in what Gian is interested in? What's that? I haven't actually noticed this recently. <laughs> What's that? You guys know what I'm talking about at this point, right? We're talking about all the battles that Gian is interested in. We got Rourke's Drift. Okay, we've got the Alamo she just mentioned. We've got Little Bighorn, mm. obviously 7th Cavalry. And for Vietnam, it's Dien Ben Phu. What is going on with Gianna and Last Stands? <laughs> <laughs> it's always like these desperate last. Like technically, even thirteen uh, thirteen days to thirteen hours could almost be considered as it's always these desperate last stands. Do you know why? Because I, I, it brings, that's what I'm asking. I, well, I'm going to tell you. Here, I'm going to tell you because it yeah. brings out the best in people. It either brings out the worst in people or it brings out the best mm. in people. So you know. True. That it, it shows the medal of the the soldier or leader during those battles. Custer, let's be honest, he screwed that pooch on that one, right? We we all know the rule: don't split your forces, yeah. and you know, don't go charging into an unknown enemy. And he broke every rule of combat. So, uh, and he paid for it. Unfortunately, his people paid for it. So, what? Two hundred twenty-four lives lost. Um, but then you look at Rourke's Drift, and you had 160 guys, uh, approximately, who stood their ground against incredible odds and were able to stand off and survive. Yes, if the Zulus had continued, they would have been wiped out. But I think the Zulus decided they, it wasn't worth the cost at that point in time. So, you know. According to the Zulus, they'd already won that battle. Yeah. So... Well, I mean, if you look at Ishland Wanda, you know, if you think of Rourke's Drift as an extension of that battle, which a lot of people will argue it is, then yes, Zulu is one, right? Um, um, it's it's uh, the thing about his historical study or historical wargaming, but historical study in general is uh, your most uh, valuable tool in that in that hobby or whatever is objectivity and um obviously the british consider them two separate battles and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that there is another side to that battle war does require two sides and the other side considers that like you actually talk to zulu historians that there are zulu historians they're still a nation they consider that all one battle and that 
detachment that attacked Rourke's Drift. Their objective was, holy crap, we missed the battle. We have to bloody our spears. We have to take some casualties so that we can say that we were in this battle. And it wasn't just glory. It was, you know, their family's going to be taken care of. They own land. There's the whole law system within their tribe or whatever is based on whether or not your warriors participated in this war or this campaign or this battle. They attacked, they bloodied their spears, and they took a hell of a lot of casualties. So now they could say, we were in the Battle of Iswandala, or if, if I'm not pronouncing that right, and so their victory conditions were technically met. So yeah, like the movie, they stood up on that ridge, they sang their song, and they left. They they were happy. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those, and it's and, okay to bring it back to war gaming. Um, or, uh, you know, war game design, and we're going to run across a lot of this in Sons of Liberty, or whatever we wind up calling it eventually, is the problem with asymmetric victory conditions, this happens in Vietnam, this happens in almost anything modern, is with asymmetric victory conditions, both sides can say they won. And both sides can lose. Both sides claim victory in Tet. Both sides claim victory in, you know, a lot of these battles. And it's, there's a real case, it's not just, you know, thumping your chest. It really is. Both sides can win, and both sides can lose. No, that's an excellent so, point. Yeah, you got to watch out for it in war game because, I mean, th- this might be why you don't see a lot of modern stuff in tournaments because you know what tournaments require? Nice, crisp, clean victory conditions. And that's what you don't get in modern war because modern war isn't very, you know, clear cut. Yeah. Sometimes. It's definitely not clear. Yeah, that's I'll t- very I'll tell you what, it, what's interesting though is currently, you know, where we're talking about different time periods to play in and things like that, yeah? Uh huh. Have we, not, have we noticed that um, Warlord haven't done much since releasing that Korean book? No, they really haven't, have they? There's been... We've had some additional kits, but nothing else? It's quite interesting that, that you know, that they, 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 they did this, they created that kit, and then they've now jumped back to doing Stalingrad, haven't they? Well, they've done Stalingrad on their page right now, and then their big thing is Victory at Sea, which I really want, because I'd like to try it, um, and I'd like to see Jim's opinion on it as well, um, you know, because it's, uh, what scale is it at? It's at 1 to 1800, is that right? Let me look. I'm on it right now. Yep, 1 to 1800 scale. Yeah, 1 to 1800 is pretty common. Um Sea Creek, I think, used to do one to eighteen hundred. Uh, I've got some stuff from old um, Axis and Allies War at Sea. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. One to one eighteen hundred. We did one to eighteen hundred in our Midway series, where we worked with Naval War.com. If you ever want to check out our free down to play, uh, down to uh, a free down to. Uh, I'm sorry, a free download, print and play. Uh, you will need your own miniatures, obviously. Uh, my friend Ecclesiastes um, over there on on tabletop. Uh, we collaborated way back in 2017 for the 75th anniversary of Midway, mm-hmm. and we refought Midway at one to 1800, or certain parts of Midway at one to 1800. Um, tough to do in a carrier battle, but you can like set up individual strikes and and you know parts of the battle. Um, yeah, one to 1800, a battleship is going to be about four to five inches. Carrier is going to be about five to five and a half inches, and your destroyers are going to be like maybe three inches long or, or something like that. It's, uh, I'm not exactly sure on those numbers. I'll, I'll probably check it in a minute and be embarrassed. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, that, that's, yeah, it depends on the game system. I mean, it's not going to be a true WYSIWYG one scale, you know, yeah. scale to scale kind of thing because yeah. these battleships fire from, you know, 20 miles away. But, uh, never mind carriers. But, um, 
Yeah, if there's a rule in there where it's like, okay, the ship is always considered to be at the tip of the bow or at the point of the stern, or if there's like a white dot in the middle of the of the miniature or something like that, um, yeah, it could definitely work. And it's it's a, a you know, hey, naval wargaming, it might be a pain, but you know what's great about it? The terrain is usually pretty easy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> a nice big blue sheet, bam, you're done. Um, I was gonna say. Yeah, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to look at. All right, you sold me. Have you seen the, uh, the prices for those? I just, put, I just bought it. Yeah. <laughs> have, we, have, we, have we even started the Spin G's money segment of the show yet? Well, let's see. I've already bought the Spectre starter set today, and now I just bought the Victory at Sea, the U.S. Navy pre-order exclusive bundle. Um, just curious. Yeah, I'm the, looking at the, that one. Does it list the ships that are in there? Um. Yeah, give me a second. Let me... Uh, yeah. I'm just curious I've got it up here. What's that? Uh, the Amazon. I've got it up here. Okay, go ahead. The Amazon. Um, sorry, it's the the two ships that they mentioned. Well, or the you get a free Arizona. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Stop. Uh huh. Rant. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's free. It's free. It's, free. it's a bonus. But why? Yeah, it's included in this starter set. You're getting yeah. No, you will it's never why, use it. Because it's going to be a what if. It's got to be a what if. They wouldn't have put the the miniature in if if there wasn't going to be a stat block for it. Well, I, I know, but I know, but yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Anyway, and, Real uh, quick, the Idaho. I, if you want the Idaho, okay. Mm-hmm. More battleships. And then you've got to. And then Go ahead and read the list there, set. Ralph. It's on there. Uh, the thing, it's just, it doesn't say what other ships, it just says a starter set. Um, you're getting the Altmark, a German tanker. But why? Uh, That's not Pacific right War. Hold on, no. hold on. You're asking like seven questions. Okay, <laughs> Altmark was right before Norway. There was actually a pretty uh, pretty mm-hmm. famous British boarding action um, that, that helped start the, the, the Norwegian war, uh, the part of that campaign in the very beginning part of 1940. USS Arizona. Okay, no, you're never going to use you. You're never going to use USS Arizona. Number one, it would be borderline disrespectful, um, even if it was a what if. However, warships are built in classes. They take one set of blueprints and they build like four or five ships, in the, or if it's a Fletcher class destroyer, three or four hundred ships that all look exactly alike. So USS Arizona won't do anything in a Pacific War. However, her sister ship, USS Pennsylvania was all over the place. She put boot to ass on the Japanese Empire from one side of the mighty Pacific to the other. She was there all through it. So a miniature USS Arizona, you would get a hell of a lot of use for, especially if it's the uh, post-modern, which it would have to be, the post-modern uh, with the dry pod mask, not that goofy-looking lattice mask. Um, yeah, you'd be, you'd get a, you would get a lot of use out of USS Arizona. Strange. Those, those you, you just, you just named the, old- the pencil. Yeah, the Altmark and the Arizona pre-order bonuses, G, if you look. No, I see that. I, I was just looking um, in the starter set. So you get the USS Idaho. It's one of the more modern battleships. And then in the actual U.S. fleet, you're getting the New Mexico-class battleship New Mexico, which was a 41-42 to 42 battleship. You're getting the SX carrier USS Exus, S6, easy for me yep. to say. Yeah. Uh, you're getting the U.S.
um, you know, why have a, uh, a a gun battle kind of a naval game when carriers, you know, totally dominated that that war? Right. Carriers and submarines. Um, there's this thing called nighttime. And they didn't really have radar in those days. There was no, like, really night operations off carriers, not until the very, very end of the war. In fact, USS Enterprise was the first carrier to really go into night ops. Um, and that's, like, the last couple of months of the war. Until then, all there was a lot of naval action, surface action, and it was all at night. So, again, you were asking whether or not, you know, the game system was any good. I haven't downloaded any rules. You don't have to look at that, but we'd have to make peace with night fighting rules. Yeah. Um, and there are a number of night fighting rule, night fighting campaign uh, battles and campaigns. Um, Savo Island, Tessafaranga, um, Cape Esperance, the Second Solomons. There's a litany of uh, like four or five really nasty uh, um, night fighting battles uh, in the in the uh, in the Solomon Islands, late 42, early 43. That's exactly like some of the ships that you mentioned are specifically in those battles. That's clearly what they're aiming at. It's the one part of the uh, Pacific War where the odds are almost even. Okay. So, um, yeah, if you want to get into naval combat in the Pacific, because this has come up before in you know Pacific Fleets uh, series, in uh, the Midway series, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Commodore Rob helped me with a series we did on cruiser actions in World War II way back in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Look at the Solomons, late forty two, early forty three. Okay. So I was looking at the starter set that comes with this bundle, and in the starter set, there's fifteen ships. Uh, the USS yep. Indianapolis, isn't that the one that sank? A lot of them sank, but USS Indianapolis was one of them. Was that the one that was carrying the uh, bomb? No. <laughs> that's the one where people tell that story, but that's. Yeah. I thought it was on the mission to care. Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, there's also the USS Northampton, and then the good old USS Chicago. There you go. And then uh, where they served only Italian beef sandwiches in the mess hall. That's right. Good old hot dogs. Um, uh, USS Northampton was one of the ones that went down in those battles. I think it was Tassafaranga. Oh, went down in one of those uh, Solomon battles. All right, Jim, I see a really good uh, gaming series coming out of this with your uh, knowledge. We could just rerun one of the other ones. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've got all those materials. Yeah. Um, so on the Japanese side, you've got the Mogami. Yep. Uh, I, and I apologize if I butcher the names. Uh, my Japanese is not so good. Uh, Kumano. K-U-M-N-A-F-U-R-U-T-A-K-A. Um, and then three Fubi- Fubuki-class destroyers. Those are good destroyers, too. So that's what Jacob. Japanese Navy gets. And you can buy the Yamato as a separate... I know, separate. I saw that, but you know what? I'm not going to go too crazy. I just bought the U.S. starter set. She said. I know, I said. <laughs> we'll, we'll spend the money for you. Oh, okay, <laughs> thanks! <laughs> the Yamato's not one of those ships that, the that one you with would the buy. Two? I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, was that the the one with the two exclusives as well, Jay? Yes. Or was it just yeah, no, I bought the uh, the uh, Victory at yeah. Sea U.S. Navy pre-order exclusive bundle. Yeah, that's the one I was looking at. Yeah. So yeah, Yamato was one of those ships that again you would buy and it would look great on your shelf, but you never really have a chance to use it. Yeah. Um, a lot like the Arizona. At least the Arizona, you could use her sister ship as Pennsylvania. Um. But uh, if, if Japanese battleships, I don't know if they've come out with this yet, but uh, Kirishima, Haruna, Hiei, there's a bunch of those that saw, again, those night battles. 
um, that went on day after day after night after week after month. Again, late 42, early 43. Um, the Japanese were really trying to hold on to, to Guadalcanal and uh, the other islands there in the uh, in the southern part of the Solomons. And that they, uh, by the end of that campaign, the Marines called the waters right off of Guadalcanal. They called Iron Bottom Sound because both the Americans and the Japanese have lost so many ships. Um, tankers, supply ships, troop ships, cargo ships, and warships by the dozen, by the fistful. Uh, they were desperate. Both sides were really desperate to hold on to those islands, and they invested heavily as far as their, their naval losses go. So a lot of the really good naval battles mm-hmm. take place in that campaign, and those are, if, I don't know if they've come out with it yet, but those are the Japanese battleships you want to look out for. And, uh, those those, those mid-weight 14 inches. Okay. Well, in the Japanese fleet right now, in the starter box, you get the combo class. There, that's it. That's them. Okay. So you get yep. that one. And then I'm going Kirishima. I believe we're sister ships. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. So I mean, it, it looks like interest. It's interesting. We'll see how it plays before I get too deep into it. And you know, I got a million other games I've got to play. I wish I could get close. I wish I could be, you know, quarantined to the house for two weeks. That'd be grand. Can you not have a little bit of a cough? <laughs> I, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it, it would be that easy just to report to work and say, I've got a fever and a cough, and then, like, go home. You know, but it doesn't help with everything else that's no, going on. So No. I mean, we were joking and working yeah. about that in our office because we weren't being sent home. It was like, yeah, but you know, you don't want to do that. Seriously, yeah. no. No. Um, I have a question for people. Yeah. Of sorts. It's after a conversation we had two weeks ago, uh-huh. where Gaz, Gaz mentioned one of my favorite video games and one of his, <laughs> which is Tenchu Gaz. Yeah, Tenchu Stealth Assassins. Tenchu Stealth Assassins. I've been on the lookout for a decent set, a a decent rule set with stealth mechanics, because I thought about that as a possibility of a a project for me to do at some point, which is, for people who don't know and don't remember Tenchu, Tenchu was a game on the PlayStation? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was a single platform, but... Yeah, I think it was the original PlayStation. It was an Activision game, and you played basically a ninja. And the object was to infiltrate and kill uh, a target inside of a compound. Um, so a bit like it came out roughly the same time as the original Metal Gear, Sol- uh, Metal Gear and Splinter Cell, you know, where stealth games were very much the thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm on the lookout for, or does anybody know, a decent stealth mechanic game. I did have a look at Black Ops and I had a look at Ronin as well, you know, the Osprey games. Right. To see if there's a way of mashing those together. Have Um, you looked at Test of Honor? Because they have ninja rules. I haven't got Test of Honor. I haven't got a copy of it. And I can't find the rules anywhere. Um, That was the other thing as well as I was looking for minis. And of course, you can't get the old Test of Honor minis anymore. No. And you know what you can get, though, is uh, Bushido. Um... Hmm. They have ninjas. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it, it was just an idea for, yeah. It was just, you know, something that that uh, try and get a mechanic in place first that could then either be expanded to doing it physically, uh-huh. you know, with people opposite you, or do it digitally the same way Jim does, you know. Yeah. And of course, yeah, the idea is either uh, um, all the players play a group of ninja, or you have 
one player or two players playing the guards and the other player, you know, one or two players playing the ninja and the object is to assassinate a character yeah. within the compound. Um, I played a very, very... It's supposed to be going back a few years. It is going back a few years because we played it with second edition Dungeons and Dragons, and we played it where we all played Ninja uh-huh. in the in the adventure. And the object talking about second edition D and D. You're not going back a couple of years. You're going back a couple yeah. decades. <laughs> <laughs> it's years to me, Jim. Trust me. No, it's no. Me. Second edition D and D was the only kind of D and D I yeah. ever played. That right? was actually the best one. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, I wasn't making fun of you, Ralph. I was with- supporting you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just years to me, Jim, that's all. It just feels years to me, not decades. Who is making Test of Honor these days? Uh, Gray for Games? What's Gray for Games? Foot, no, Footstore. Is it Footstore? Doing the minis. Footstore doing the minis. I think they got it back. Okay. It's Footstore, I'm sure. Because <laughs> they've got the um, Footstore doing the minis because they've got Test of Honor 2 up and they've got the Seven Samurai okay. set. Um, so if anybody sees a stealth game or has some mechanics that might work, drop us a message. Yeah, and please. We'll, I'll have a look. Because yeah. I think that would be an interesting, maybe an interesting project. Maybe even a an interesting participation game. Yeah. All right. For when cool. convention. Yeah, most around. definitely. Because, um, you know, we're still looking to do some participation stuff at some uh, game cons. Um, you know, like I said, we were supposed to be working with the guys from Little Wars, and we were going to have a booth and cover it for them and do some things. And unfortunately, I don't know yeah, that's going to happen. That's, yeah. You know, I, with all everything going on. And then we were supposed to do stuff with uh, the guys from uh, Black Powder Red Earth, the actual creator of the. the mm-hmm. Yep. story and unfortunately Adepticon has now been cancelled um, we'll have to see if Historicon because you know I think Historicon might be a uh, definite one for us to go to or you know be part of somehow um, Cold Wars 2020 went ahead yeah I know the other, surprising the other, one that, the other event that that team does um, it was heavily modified. They cut back a lot. There was all like this, you know, special considerations or whatever. But same facility, same hotel up in Lancaster, the same, you know. Um, that's a really good facility, by the way. We had a great time up there. The hotel rooms were sweet. It was not like Motel 6, you know, the usual hotel room you go to at a convention. Was, yeah. they, they, they put us in nice hotel rooms. Awesome. Take care of us up there. So we'll have to uh, see if we can make that happen. So, Jim, we might want to put that on your calendar, huh? Yep, as long as it's not here in another quarter, which is not. <laughs> so. As far as stealth mechanics go, uh, there's really two ways to do it that I can think of um, or that I've seen done successfully. One is the good way, but it's a huge pain in the ass. Uh, basically, you need a referee and you need two tables. Yeah. Uh, double blind. Or, again, like we've done, uh, you mentioned, uh, we've done with even Gianna, uh, is we, the use of dummy counters. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's not the best, and and I've seen dummy counters used in uh, in miniature games as well. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, a Crucible of War for the Saratoga battles uh, by Martin and Jamie Veter up there in uh, New York. I've seen it done at Historicon. Okay. So it's 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 doable. Um, yeah, it's just you know how much abstraction do you want? Yeah. The one, the one good thing about dummy counters is you can simulate. This works with like modern warfare and like an electronic warfare setting. One side or the other can get more or less. Like okay, you can have like an electronic warfare, or in a ninja game, you can have like some sort of like detection phase, 
where it's like, okay, um, the, what, you know, you roll at the beginning of the turn, so many guards wake up, or the guards drink extra coffee, or who knows what. The guards are a little bit more alert now. Mm-hmm. Okay, the ninja player has to remove one dummy counter, or the ninja player has to remove two dummy counters, or whatever. And just mm-hmm. by removing those dummy counters or adding new dummy counters, all of a sudden, the players, uh, you know, the, the the battlefield becomes either more or less uh, opaque. Which I think is what you want in a stealth game. Uh, I'm not a video yeah. game expert, but that's the kind of thing that you really want to look for in uh, at least a limited information battlefield mm-hmm. game, which I know a little bit more about. I must admit, I've been thinking about it for a while because obviously it's a bit of a passion for me. And my idea was for each of the guards, you basically have um, a step and a direction count. So you yeah. mark a start point at the beginning of the game, and then they have three or four different options of what they do as part of their guard movement, like watching a guard force and getting their routines. Um, and when you when your stealth assassin turns up or the team turns up, you roll for each guard to see which one he starts at, and they start those mm-hmm. patterns. Um, and then you've got a couple of NPCs uh, almost that you can control. So those guys go and check on the guard, and they the dog handler moves yeah. in random direction. So you you kind of walk yeah. into a thing. I mean, the other... The other one as well I did have a look at and is Spectre does uh, alert and unalert and stealth as a mechanic within that second edition rulebook, which Marty will get to see a little bit later. Yes. <laughs> um, also, Black Ops did it, the Osprey game. They've got a whole section on stealth uh, um, mechanics within that rule set. And I thought possibly mixing, you know, taking the, the Ronin uh, rule set that Osprey did and possibly sliding in that stealth mechanic into it but I'm not sure how well it would mesh per se yes they're you know they're Osprey games and stuff so it may it's just it was just a thought and after we got chatting about it I thought yeah that would actually make a really good uh, a participation game mainly because it is you know you can have a referee or a couple of referees and you have one site what a group of people who are to come along who play the the guards and one or two people who play the the stealth nin- the ninja within that and just from an aesthetic and a, a, lo- a view point of view you look at say is it Osp- is it um foreground do a lot of do a lot of the ancient japan uh, they do a little yeah, bit is um, it I think it's, uh, is it as well Bandua I think Sarissa as well Sarissa has got a here, lot yeah. Yeah. Well, if so you've already got little... the referee, that yeah, absolutely, that's the way to do it. The reason mm-hmm. that that's yeah. sometimes not the best option is because you have to find a referee. But if you've already got yeah. that that hurdle beat, then then it's almost a no-brainer. That's totally the way to I, go. I think for a participation game, you would need poss- probably a referee. Um, <laughs> it just, I think it would just have the mechanics of a stealth game or of that type ilk run faster I mean the the other one for a participation game would be the whole do this whole seven samurai just have some quick dirty rules and have you know group of people turn up if, if they say say you got ten people come to the table or seven people come to the table each of them could play one of the samurai and the referee could play the you know the, the horde that's attacking if you do that you could double tables and do the western version as well yeah so that kind of leads yeah. me to an idea. All right. So everybody, I have one question. Um, right now, what is each one of you's use? 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 Yeah. The, the one of you's, use. guys. 
in, 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 I was going to say, is, is English uh, 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 losing it there for you, Jay? Is it easy for you to say? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm from Chicago, so we say you skies. Um, yeah. So, what period right now where event interests you, like, has grabbed your attention recently? Um, so, Ralph, obviously, it sounds like you've got some feudal ancient some Japan. Feudal Japan. Yeah. But also um, being drawn towards um, the Old West. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. I just like the look of some of the tables, and I, must, um, I like the look of the... Um, the, some of the minis out there. The Knuckle Duster uh, makes really great minis. Gunslinger Paradise about to come out. Yeah, that's that's the reason with Gunslinger Paradise coming out. That sort of drew my attention, especially with them having um, campaign rules within that. Yeah, we'll have um, to get him on. And there's some good terrain for it. Yeah, was it Knuckle Duster? I have uh, a couple of Knuckle Duster sets. Um, is that the who does Dead Man's Hand? No, no, that's um. Because because that was the set I was looking at. Because they're easier to get in the UK. The Dead Man's Hand set. Uh, um, got a, Dead got Man's got Hand got is oh, who is it? It totally escapes me. Uh, yeah, it's me once. All right, who's got the best Google food? Great, great escape game. Yes, yes. Yeah, the reason I looked at them is they've got some. There's, there's. I, I quite like the the look of the minis. They've got a nice set of Pinkertons, really nice set of Pink, Pinkerton minis. They've done both sets of Magnificent Seven as well. Yeah. They've got the Yule Brenner set, but they've also got the new set with um, Denzel Washington when yeah. the remake came out. Um, I just quite like the look of the minis. There's a nice set of minis. Um, so it was Dead Man's Hand, and they're easier to get in the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah, over here it would probably be uh, Knuckle Duster. He makes amazing stuff. And now oh, that he's gone to digital up. sculpting, it's even sharper. Because mm-hmm. uh, he used to do everything by hand, but now he's doing digital. And they, I'm, I'm just looking at some pictures on Google, and one of them that was painted up was uh, Rowdy Jack, which is just a typical cowboy, you know, with um, hat, scarf, you know, typical. But it looks really good. Um, they're, 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 they, let's just put it this way. They're not the freaking Wild West Exodus crud. Okay. Oh yeah. No. Uh, and, you know, and, and I, I say that jokingly because, um, you know, I, I was friends with Romeo and, you know, the original creators of the game. And I know, um, Wayland Games has it now, but you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. I don't like the steampunk Western thing. I like the, no. if you're going to do Western, do Western, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I like Western. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. How about you, Gas? Yeah. Cause it's just... Go on. Go on, Ralph. Go on, Gas. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll finish off. It's all right. Go. Um, I think just from a purely miniature, I mean, what Jim said before about the um, sometimes the ranges being limited in what you can do paint-wise because you're painting large forces and you're kind of sticking to army colours. Um, Blood and Plunder. Oh, uh, no. Pirates. Um, because there's a lot of different factions out for 
uh, blood and plunder now and all the miniatures you don't need a high miniature count you've got the ships involved as well you can do land fights you can do from ship to land but the the actual miniatures for the different factions are very distinguishable by what they wear and how they carry themselves and i think it'd be a real from project to to pick up some of the factions and and again some awesome train they got that huge boat hell yeah well you can get the cheap. It's all about size, isn't it? Really good American boats sense. as well. Um, just, just have a look. Because Dark so, yeah, Cost, um, which is now owned by... So there's a lot you can do with that. I mean, you can even bring in sort of Native Americans, you know, landings and stuff as well. So you don't really have to stick within that range. You can you can branch out to various parts of the world because they were pretty much all over the place. Yeah. That's very true. It's very true. How about you, Jim? Um, we were talking about it before, so I won't belabor the point, but uh, American Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good been, one. That's always been my favorite. I mean, mm-hmm. like to be honest, I mean, if, if we're really asking me, we're asking for an honest answer. Yeah. You know, what, what, what areas we're interested in? How about anything but? Anything but Band of Brothers, for the love of God. Yeah. You know, yeah. World War II, 1944 to 45, Northwestern Europe, everyone has done it to death. <laughs> um, I don't want to shut down World War II entirely, uh, but let's do something like Iwo Jima or like we were talking about before, naval battles in the Pacific or, you know, some part of World War II that hasn't been just like oversaturated. Sure. If I have to look at one more bolt action table of American paratroopers versus German Wehrmacht infantry, um, you know, <laughs> you got to gouge my eyes out with an ice pick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, but not really. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just, you know, but anything but that, you know, um, but if we're going to, uh, you know, as far as like a targeted thing, like you know, something that I'm actually interested in, yeah. I've got I've got pixels on the screen. I've got play tests already done. Done. I yeah. just have to think of a name for the stupid thing. Um, yeah, American Revolution. Nice, nice. All right, Marty, you're up. So, uh, being being the uh, the noob of the group, if you will, and being fairly uh, new to you know getting into the hobby in any kind of serious fashion. Uh, you know, my interest is kind of all over the place. It, they're all shiny objects to me at this point, and I like a lot of them. Uh, I, I I am very interested in the uh, in the Gunslinger's Paradise rule set that's coming out. Uh, that that seems like it'll be really cool, and the, there's a lot of good terrain already that uh, would go with it. I've been uh, seeing a lot of that lately, so that that has my interest. Uh, Jim, the American Revolution. Uh, you've you've convinced me. I'm in. <laughs> I I I like that uh, that idea. You know, the it, I wasn't kidding when I said I'm really good at losing. I do that a lot, but I get to play and I have a good time. So there you go. That's that's what counts. <laughs> so that's why I say I think I think I'm your perfect player. <laughs> well, I mean, the dirty little. Se- I mean, I say this all the time, but the dirty secret of uh, historical war gaming is that war is never fair. And um, the more realistic and accurate you make your historical war game, the more that unfairness is going to creep in. And you've got you've to gotta get good with your – the designer is what I say. I mean you. The designer really has to have uh, a handle on, um, on asymmetrical victory conditions. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's usually against the Patriots, but sometimes it's for – again, Trenton is the notable exception there. But, yeah, it's – how do you make the game fair, in an, but the battle remain unfair? 
Uh, we did it with uh, with uh, Iwo Jima a couple weeks ago. Um, the Japanese are going to lose. They're going to lose to the last man, but you still have to be able to win the game. And of course, you know, have fun. And for the winning, it's also boring for uh, for the winning side. I mean, if you're playing the Germans in France in 1940, or the Soviet, or like in, in the Soviet Union in 41, or you know, the Marines on Iwo Jima, and the victory conditions are not asymmetrical. Your Japanese player is going to be upset, and your American player is going to be bored to tears. Because it's like, just, okay, arrange more fire, fire, roll dice. Hey, look, I killed everybody. Rinse, repeat. Um, asymmetrical victory conditions is what makes historical wargaming work. So, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, you lose all the time, uh, you might lose the battle, but it should still be possible for you to win the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm the guy that uh, – I'm there to play. You know, so uh, I'm not uh, terribly concerned about uh, how much I win or lose. I'm I'm not a uh, a competitive player by any means, and most of the games that I play aren't, aren't even offered competitively. Really, there's not tournament play for them. You know, they're narrative based games, and you know we've got a, a good scenario or uh, some crazy off the wall scenario that we're playing, and uh, you know it's just uh, here here you go. This is the setup. Let let's have at it and see how it turns out. Sounds awesome. I would like to point out that you crushed me at dust. <laughs> at this point, that, yeah, that that that's one of my two victories there. So thank thanks for that, guys. Because <laughs> so I, I got destroyed it <laughs> the last three times I played. So are you saying that he was you were lucky against Gaz, or Gaz yeah. just that bad? I'm his perfect opponent. So, what, what, what I will say is that the dice have a lot to say about how good you're going to do. And there's a lot of randomization. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, e- even in that game, you know, kind of going to to Jim's point, uh, I may lose, but it's not gonna, <laughs> your guys aren't going to lose, aren't going to win for free, right? You know, uh, I I am that guy. I I will do what I can to spoil the objective for you or to reduce your forces, especially if it's a multiplayer game i may not win but i'm gonna make sure that uh you are weak enough that one of the other component uh one of the other opponents on the table can take you out as well sounds like marty wants to play the patriots at bunker hill sure (laughs) (laughs) all right win that battle said i think we're going to gauge he's like yes that was a victory another such victory will ruin us yeah right (laughs) (laughs) over half of their initial landing force but they did take the objectives. They did technically win. But, yeah, not really. Yeah, but, uh, you know, for the for the most part, uh, you know, I'm I'm in it for the, you know, for the experience of playing. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I don't get too wrapped around the, the axle about whether or not I technically won a game or not. You know, uh, you know, I, I came to play. Awesome. You're in it for the lols. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know that, and you know, uh, you know, with the games that I play, you know, that's just a part of the hobby. You know, I like building the terrain. I like painting the miniatures. You know, so, uh, and, and oddly enough, I get to do that a lot more than I get to play. So, uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways that uh, you know the hobby can uh, bring you a lot of a lot of satisfaction and fun even when you're not on the table itself. Mm-hmm. All right, Definitely. guys. Any last yeah, I mean, thoughts I mean, before we close out the show? Nope. Nope? Uh, just, 
just everybody stay safe, really. Yeah. Pay attention yeah. to what you're doing and, you know, play the game and uh, play more games. Yep. And uh, enjoy this wash time. Your, if you can use hands. it, enjoy <laughs> <what you're doing. laughs> yeah, Wash your hands. All right. All right so uh, this show will be going out today. This is Saturday, March 21st. Um, so it will be going out to our Patreon subscribers today. And then it will go out to everybody else tomorrow, uh, Sunday the 22nd. So with that in mind, what do we have upcoming for? For programming, uh, Jim, you're doing HK Ops tomorrow, yes? HK Ops is tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, so that's going to be 5 p.m. Uh, uh, GMT at the moment. Excellent. And then uh, Thursday, somebody, we'll leave it at that, we'll do Bruin View, I hope. Um, we'll see what the world brings, to, if they allow me to do anything. Um, and then um, Marty and I are going to be filming an unboxing, so that'll go out sometime, hopefully this week, of the Spectre starter set. And, uh, you know, anybody else have anything on their plate they'd like to do uh, in the upcoming week or two? Something's going out for, for again, Sons of Liberty, quote, unquote. I just don't know what to call it yet. It might be only five minutes. Hey, here's the basics of the game. Here's the scale. Rev- Revolutionary War. It, it might be something like that. It might be like revolu- like Battlefield Revolution or something basic like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could call it Bleeding Blue and Red. Except it's not blue and red. Oh, my God. Trolled on your own show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So with that disappointing note, we're going to go ahead and uh, say see ya. Uh, you guys have a great safe week. Uh, we will see you somewhere along the Internet waves. Um, until the meantime, uh, stay safe. Happy gaming. Um, drive on, fight on, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Paint your stuff. Are you looking to become a tier one operator in the gaming world? Elevate your games with Black Sight Studio Terrain.